And welcome to Leaving in the Geek Post Meltdown Edition. We live. We made it through. We made it through the. Who are, who are you? I'm John Bones from Trinity Leading. I'm with me, Aaron Cleveland of the Athletic Backup. We're changed men, certainly, from the experience. <laughs> Have you seen, there's like that picture on Twitter of a guy. We're changed. Just imagine how Royce is. <laughs> there's a picture of a guy. I keep seeing it on Twitter. It's like a meme where it's like, here's an 18-year-old guy going off to war, like World War uh-huh. One or two. I don't uh-huh. even know. And here he was 18 months later. And he looks like he's a, his own grandfather, basically. That's right. what we are after the meltdown. But yeah, Royce, uh, Royce got a haircut for it. Made fun of him for wow, that. Wow, that's, that's impressive. Um, yeah, it, it uh, the meltdown was what Saturday night. It's Friday as we're recording this. Friday. Uh, Are we morning. sure you didn't get the haircut for the Diamond Awards award he got? Maybe. <laughs> no, okay. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't say that when I said you got a haircut for this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> couple people uh, in attendance said you're. I've been listening, hearing your uh, impression of Royce over the years. It's uh-huh. pretty accurate. Okay. Good. Uh, Especially when we got to talking about Sunel. This guy sucks. (laughs) Uh, But yes, thank you to uh, Patrick Royce of the Star Trib and uh, I guess Score North. Uh, I don't know if he's the official employee there. Uh, And thank you to Glenn Perkins of... BSN. He said Hubbard. That's what he said. Yeah, Hubbard, Brian, whatever it is. Uh, Thank you to them. I thought we we were, you know, they were booked for, uh, in. we pitched them or you pitched them on show up, half hour interview. Maybe shake some hands, kiss some babies, and you're out of there. Uh, they both did like almost 45, 45 minutes, minutes an hour least, yeah. uh, right. with us and, and could have gone longer, obviously. I thought both the interviews were great. And to the shock of, of everyone, us included, us more so than anyone, uh, it actually recorded properly at the courthouse. <laughs> so props to them. And Nate so, did a great job with doing the recording. Yes, if you haven't listened, it was, our, you, it was the last free episode. Hopefully you've listened to that. Yep. A uh, nice long one. We didn't even really have to do an intro or anything. We just let it kind of let it kind of roll, speak for itself. Uh, sold out. Three hundred uh, three hundred and twenty tickets. Uh, yeah, pretty. It went well. Yeah, it, and it wasn't nearly as overly packed as I was afraid it right. was going to be. It ended up being, uh, you know, comfortable. I guess a lot of people got seats and uh, yeah. people got food and people got free, free beer from six one two. I'll see everyone uh, three hundred sixty. Uh, days from now at the next one that's the next time i'm gonna leave my house john's got big plans though john's got uh keep your big big live event plans i think so we're gonna try and do john has become untethered from aaron in this regard (laughs) and so he is free to fly as high as he would like not weighed down by the anchor of uh, aaron gleeman's uh, social anxiety and general dislike of the human race uh so john you know limitless really potential for john but yeah just thank you to everyone uh it was fun. Obviously, the the caliber of guests that we're able to get now is pretty great uh, compared to the first few years. Although we were happy with certainly the guests then, but you know we're at the we're at the top here of who we want. Like you can pick who you right. want, and I, I thought Royce he was great. We knew he'd be great. He's, he was on the podcast last year, and he was great. Glenn Perkins, we did a podcast with I don't know, five years ago or whatever, and he was fantastic, and we knew he'd be great. I also just thought it was very fun that all the other beat rep- all the other beat report- reporters showed showed up. 
Right. Yep. Both yeah, strippers yeah. and right. MLB.com yeah. and Pioneer Press and Dan Hayes was there, uh, which was... I a, felt bummed because I got almost no time to talk to them. <laughs> I, I literally didn't talk to Dan Hayes, my partner. <laughs> I didn't see him. He texted me the I next morning. I talking to him later. After well, yeah, <laughs> you guys went to your meeting spot, <laughs> which is called the Loon, <laughs> right, yeah. which I didn't go to but because um, I'm a party pooper. Uh, but I thought compared to where we were 10 years ago or X number of years ago, the idea that Oh, of, of course, all the beat writers show up. And also, beat writers from other sports uh, showed up. Right. Yeah, uh, right. Yeah. R.T. Ryback, the former mayor of uh, St. <laughs> Paul, I guess. Minneapolis. Minneapolis, yeah. yeah. Why did I think St. Paul? I don't know. Uh, he was there with his son, Charlie, who <laughs> yep. I've want, been wanting to meet for a long time. And, and yep. they were great. Yeah, they were. Uh, couldn't have been nicer. And just like the... Dana Wessel. Wow, him I see the whole time. <laughs> Dale Wessel. That Dale was Wessel, the big draw. Go, right, yeah. Dale Wessel. Every good. year, he, he tells me how much he likes the event. He got some FaceTime with Royce. He already knows Glenn Perkins. It was great for the Wessel clan, which I'm happy about. I can see uh, David Brower. I don't get to see very often. David Brower, I walked in for a little bit. Yeah, Aaron Rupert, I haven't seen. David Brower, I guess I haven't seen in three, four years since COVID. Mm -hmm. I used to see him quite a bit. I I love David Brower. Great guy. Um, I walk in, and I make my way over to their little corner to say hi to him. And he walks up to me, and he takes his hand, and he puts his hand directly on my bald spot. And he says, (laughs) when did that happen? That's literally the first thing he said to me. And I thought, wow, okay. <laughs> and I said, well, I haven't seen you. You know, years. you're picking up exactly where you left off three yeah. years ago. If you, like, if you thought there were going to be any awkwardness, Jesus. the awkwardness has been gone. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I said to him, "Can you keep your hand there for the rest of the night? That would be helpful." Or I need to wear a yarmulke. Uh, yeah, I've been debating becoming religious there for the go. first time in my life just because <laughs> the placement of the yarmulke. Uh, so yeah, they've got a spray on. You can do something. like yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> I should. I should do that honestly. Uh, so yeah, thank you to everyone who came out to the meltdown it was uh it was a lot of fun even i'm not a person who enjoys fun uh, but it was a lot of fun uh and i'm i was happy that the the podcast that came out of it was nice and, and long and listenable and yeah, good frankly, we're, all, we're always just humbled that that many people want to get together especially on like the coldest one of the coldest nights of the year yeah uh to, yeah. to come out and uh join us and hang out and talk twins it's fantastic yes Especially after a what three almost three year absence, right? Yeah. So. And uh, keep uh, keep an eye out for opening day because I think uh, it will not be the coldest night of the year. Hopefully on that day, and we'll try and do some other event around that. Yeah. So. Um, okay. So a couple other things before we get into some twins uh, news and notes. Obviously, uh, less than two weeks now until the start of spring training. In fact, uh, how many days? What day is today? Today is the today is February third, which means eleven days from now people will be uh it'll start like the report <laughs> right, day yeah, pitchers right. and catchers are on the 14th or the 15th, 15th i think yeah so yeah, yeah, yeah. i'll be you'll be there then i'll be there on the 14th i'll be yeah. there the 19th yep before the the first like full squad workout is the 20th we'll yep. be doing shows from there yep um yeah i would cur- we would we would very much like it and i think you would like it too more importantly um if everyone would uh Sign up for the Patreon as we kind of ramp up towards spring training. Like I said, it's 11 days away. John will be down there. I'll be down there. Maybe we'll get some guests involved. At the very least, we'll be doing shows literally from the ballpark as you can kind of hear the crack of the bat and the the sounds of a a season starting up. So, yeah, Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash Gleeman. New episodes are a dollar. They're commercial free. We do mailbags. We do interviews. We do midweek shows. We're going to do a whole bunch of shows live from spring training uh, while we're both there. We would very much love it. 
if you would sign up, it would mean a lot to yeah, us, and I think a, you'll like it. It's okay to get excited about this. You know, it's one of the things I kind of wanted to bring up as don't get as excited a, about as a side no, tangent. That's my general. <laughs> as a side tangent, uh, I think you and I both sense. I'm wondering how how you when you take a look at the metrics and such that you get from the athletic. Yeah, that there's a lot more excitement about the 2023 team than there is than there has been. Uh, I, I feel like that there, there's a, a lot of genuine excitement about the 2023 team that I think you and I can kind of take a look at, whether it's a Patreon signups or downloads right. of the podcast or metrics on Twins Daily. Twins Daily just had its biggest month ever in January, yeah, we which just, is weirdest. This podcast right. just had its uh, third biggest month ever right. and by far the biggest off-season right. month ever. And I think we tend to be leading indicators on that. Like I, I, well, I, don't, yeah. I don't, I don't know that that's going to show up in season ticket sales right. or attendance or whatever right away. But I think, I think there is a, a level of interest. You know, there's still going to be a, you know, you got to prove it. You know, you got to show me what, what, what you sure. that it actually works. But I feel like there's a level of interest and excitement around this team that I haven't seen since. Well, like, a, 2019, I agree. A couple things on that. A, when you make big moves in an off season. People get excited. Right. Whether or not yep. those moves work out well 10 right. years down the road or whatever. When you spend $200 million on a great player, yeah. which yeah. you've literally never done before and may never do again, who knows? People are like, oh, wow. And the, But to your point, and I tweeted and, about and this. Let, me, like let a, me give you a B on top of that, too. Yeah. Especially when that also suggests, listen, we're going to be competitive for three, four, five years now. Sure. Like, like you know, that, This is not a we're going to – Build up. We got a two or three year window. We got to get in there, etc. Now, now that might still be the case. Don't get me wrong. They might still, but it does show that they are. We don't have to worry, like you said, like we've said in the past. We don't have to worry about a rebuild. We don't right. have to worry. Like we've got some cornerstones. I here. mean, I don't. I'm not going to sit here and tell you this is a great team. I think it's going to project out as we start to see over the next few weeks. You know, some some projections and betting lines, which I saw a few already out there. We'll definitely talk about those as they come out yeah, from more right. prominent places. But I'm not going to sit here and tell you this is a great team. I mean, this is going to end up being projection-wise, kind of a neck-and-neck neck in the AL Central, sure. I'm guessing. Maybe a game or two behind Cleveland. Mid to low, mid to high 80s. Yeah. Right. right. And, and so, yeah, I'm, from an excitement level, it's not that people think they've built some sort of super team or even that the the outcomes of the past two years, which have not been good, are like out of the realm of possibility sure. for this year. But I do think that there there's this sense on Twitter, certainly, and on you know comments of articles and even when we open up the mailbag on the patreon side there's like every article i write there's comments that are like i'm sick of this team i'm never giving them another dime Mm -hmm. i'm not going to the ballpark and we actually talked about that with (laughs) roycey because i was curious what his thoughts are and he he basically said these people haven't come been coming to the ballpark (laughs) for 40 years (laughs) what are you talking about and it's not that the idea of being frustrated by this team is out of bounds or anything. I mean, there's, sure. there's reason to be frustrated. They haven't won a playoff game in a billion years, and they're coming off losing seasons. And certainly their decision-making has, has not been flawless by any means. I mean, this whole podcast is about that. But what I will say is I think it's clearer than ever because of what you mentioned, kind of the stuff we can see for the content we're putting out or the live events we just did or whatever, this notion of – the fan base being, you know, so, uh, so low on morale, and the fan base being sick of it, and all this stuff. I just, I don't think that's the case now. In terms of, like you said, season tickets or attendance or whatever. I mean, there's certainly a, a it's a different barrier for entry 
spending a hundred bucks to take you, you and your family to a game versus tuning into a podcast or right. going to Twins Daily or reading even the Athletic sure. or whatever. But what I'll say is, it's not just that our numbers and our traffic and our downloads and our subscriber base and whatever you want to point to are higher. It's that they're like almost exponentially higher. Right. Yeah, like right. yeah. th- they've gone up significantly, right. even compared to like 2019 when they were really rolling. Right. And certainly compared to last year at this time and all that stuff. But it, so, yeah, I always, it's not, I think it's a good, and I actually think the meltdown itself is very good for this. Like to see people in person, to see how enthusiastic people are, not about the twins are going to go win the world series, but just, Hey, baseball season's coming. Let's talk some baseball in the middle of January uh, it's good to see people in person, even if they're the same people on Twitter. The right. vibe is completely right. different. And so I think it's good to kind of separate out the experience of being a Twins content producer, which we are, online, and the negativity involved in that and sure. the constant stream of you know, 0 and 18. Sure, sure, sure. I'll never give this team another dime. Yeah. Why would There's a loud segment that is very right. loud on And I'm not yeah. even saying right. that's not – righteous in it some regard sure but what i'm saying is don't let one person like that change your opinion of what the actual sense of this team is or baseball itself in minnesota is when we can point to this and say well i mean my god my articles are up 50 percent compared to two years ago twins daily breaks a new record every month our podcast numbers for the free show are shattering old records and for the, the Patreon show, which people have to pay for <laughs> right, yeah, it's a right. dollar an episode, but people, there is a barrier for entry to that right, yeah. is and, and, and it's not an insignificant barrier for people who've never right. really heard of podcasts. But or I mean, like, yeah, right. That's up, I don't know, 40% compared to like a year or 18 months ago or whatever. And so I do think you know, whether this fan base in general is, is very frustrated, somewhat frustrated, however it is on that scale, it is undeniable at this point. At least from our perspective, mm-hmm. maybe the twins feel differently. Maybe the television numbers are different. All that stuff. I mean, those those have their own issues, which we're going to actually probably talk about in a minute. The Bally stuff, but um, <laughs> or Sinclair yeah. stuff. Right, yeah. Uh, but from our point of view, here's the thing: I write like three articles a week about the Minnesota Twins. You and I put out like two or three audio right uh, yeah. shows about the Minnesota Twins a week, and you run. The biggest twin, whether it's, I don't know, blog, forum, whatever you guys want to call it, in the world, the numbers are off the charts yeah. for all, all right. of them. And, and so mean, if this it, fan base and, is... And, and I, it feels like that is the top of the sales funnel. You know what I mean? Like that is yeah. sort of the... At the very least, I'm interested enough to go check out what do the twins just do, and I'm going to come back tomorrow to say what does it mean, etc. Right. I mean, like that is the very now, top of the sales funnel in terms whether of whether or not that thing, converts right. to someone calling up the twins ticket line yeah. and saying, Let's "Give them. me sixty <laughs> times right. two yeah. for right. you know whatever in whatever section." Well, yeah, I can't. I mean, I have not. Although right. we did talk to St. Peter, there was a media luncheon, whatever day, Thursday, yeah, Friday, Friday morning, morning. Uh, at Target Field, and St. Peter said so. Last year they had like 1.8 million was the attendance 1.8 million and change which was the lowest not only for a normal season at target field but it was the lowest anywhere since like oh three or something like that even going back to the metronome uh and he said a 
we're going to beat that number. He was certain of that. Yeah. And B, he expects them to top two million by the end of the season, which is not in and of itself amazing. Right. But if you look, you know, two million had become sort of standard in the twenty fourteen to twenty eighteen uh, range. You know, two million, two point one million, something like that. I'm not saying that's a great number, no. but that's at least back right. to. And that was of, when they sucked, by the way. Well, right. <laughs> right, right. Um, but they've been sucking for two right. years. <laughs> but and I saw a bunch of people because I tweeted his quote about that or whatever, and a bunch of people were like, "Well, yeah, he's just being optimistic. He wants people to think." And I said, "Well, yeah, I'm not saying he's not being optimistic, but the, we've talked about this before with St. Peter on the show when he used to come on the show. The majority of baseball tickets." Are sold before a pitch is thrown, right? For the season, and it's a, it's a huge majority. It's yes. like, like I, the I, vast I, majority. I heard from the inside folks there, eighty five percent. And right. I, I know right. people think, well, you know, for him, for them to hit the two million, they're going to have to be in contention down the stretch. And it's like maybe, maybe. but what right. all he's saying when he says that on January thirtieth or whatever is we project based on where we're at now, and like you said, I mean, right. minimally seventy percent, seventy five percent of their tickets towards right. that have already been sold whether through season tickets or individual game tickets, and they're also still putting stuff out. So I'm not here to tell you 2 million tickets is, is amazing or anything, right. but I do think that that kind of jibes with what we're saying, which is this is not a fan base that's thrilled with this team or its management or whatever, certainly not its television situation, nor, nor should the fan base be thrilled. Right. But if you think, as I've seen some media members suggest, that like the interest in baseball in Minnesota has has – disappeared or even really dissipated i would i reject that premise yeah and and here's the thing if it's true overall (laughs) but it's very much not true for you and i and the places we're associated with well who cares do you know what i mean (laughs) like exactly yeah we we're last month we averaged seventeen thousand downloads per new episode we put out four shows and we got seventy thousand downloads roughly something like that that's nuts well, if people don't care about the twins, what are they tuning in for? This charming banter between the two supermodels here? Like what? I mean, come on. Uh, okay. So the other thing I, I just wanted to say, um, a couple people at the Meltdown said to me, because we've discussed this, I think, more on the Patreon. You're an idiot, they said to me, which a lot of people come to me and start sentences. I thought you were talking to me. Well, you didn't, We didn't really talk too much at the Meltdown. Uh, they said, you're an idiot. Because I'm the one kind of stopping uh, merchandise for the show for some weird... You're not the one stopping merchandise. I'm the one stopping Well, when we discussed <laughs> right. it, I'm like, eh. But I think this might be the year for it. I think finally I've cracked. Not even from a... I mean, we're not going to get rich off t- selling t-shirts or <laughs> right. anything. But like, you know, you make a dollar a shirt or some stuff, something like that. But I've heard from enough people who have called me stupid with my stance on this um, that... People, act, we're actually keeping people. I keep. I view it from the standpoint of, I don't want to put out a product, so people think we're trying to like squeeze dollars right, out of yes, them. Right, right. We've been very careful, right. I think, about yes, that. Right. I think so. But what I don't I haven't realized until recently, when people have just said to me, "You're a moron for not saying <laughs> it like this," is that. If people want to pay 18 bucks for a T-shirt <laughs> right, right. and they want a T-shirt or a hat or whatever it is, they don't view it that way. So, yeah, I think this is going to be the year we finally do it. And we're lucky in that we have a longtime sponsor, yes. so to stink. Which sounds we should maybe mention this sponsor. Well, I'll say, this is going to sound like this whole thing was an ad, which it wasn't. But 
right. John actually pressed pause in the middle of my little <laughs> rant there and said, well, actually, we have a soda stick. Yeah, I think assuming soda stick is still interested. <laughs> Hi, soda stick. Uh, they've produced all kinds of great shirts that you see players and, and coaches and fans wearing at Target Field all the time. Right. So maybe we'll here's and, my yeah. here's my closed circuit to soda stick. Uh Send us some some design ideas. <laughs> and in the meantime, if you're out there listening and you say, what's Soda Stick? Well, Soda Stick is, A, the place that we're going to trust to make our shirts, right. probably. S-O-T-A. Yeah, like Minnesota. SodaStickCo.com yeah, right. or yep. just Google Soda Stick. And they've, and, got, and they've got a brand new shirt coming out because they can jump on stuff like this. They've got the uh, Cub Cobblers Texas yeah. shirt. <laughs> Which here's the thing. Time. I'm not going to explain that. If you know what it is, then you're interested in the shirt. Exactly if you are not, right. if you don't know what it is, you're not going to be interested in the shirt. It's, but do, that's, do a search at Cub Cobblers Texas yeah. TikTok. But that's uh, <laughs> that's how Soda Stick works, basically. They're able to do small batch production of twin stuff or other Minnesota sports stuff, kind of in the moment, memeable uh, <laughs> type of things. That's right. Kind of in, some inside jokes, some some great like kind of past moments. And the thing I always say about Soda Stick is go to sodastickco.com or Google Soda Stick, whatever. Look around for three minutes. I defy you to not want something you see on Correct. the website. Yes. Uh, I've been the same way. Like I've bought for people for birthdays and Christmas and stuff. I just go there and I'm like, I know there's going to be something that a Minnesota sports fan will want. And if you use the promo code Gleeman on Soda Stick, you can get 15% off whatever the order is. So, yeah, hopefully, I don't know, months from now, probably not weeks from now, (laughs) um, because it'll take me longer than that to decide between any design ideas. Uh, But months from now, hopefully, there will be a a Gleeman and the Geek shirt uh, that you can get on Soda Stick, perhaps by using the code Gleeman and get that's 15%. Right. Yeah, that's right. That'll yeah. be really so mad. So get out there right now and grab something for the uh, Twin Season. We'll see if we can find you some we also Our other sponsor that we well, want to talk about local is, sponsor, uh, yep. is 7th Avenue Pizza, right. which uh, I have been at uh, KFAN several times when they've just cooked up a fresh 7th Avenue breakfast pizza. Christmas. I'm often there at like 9 a.m. <laughs> or whatever. So after the morning show. How good are those? The breakfast pizza, I'd never gotten like from uh, Lunds or anything. Right. I've gotten 7th Street Right, or Seventh Ave, yeah. but not. I usually get pepperoni, sausage, whatever. The breakfast pizzas are real good. <laughs> we had them at the tailgate um, a couple of weeks ago, or no, a couple of months ago, yeah. probably at this point. Go for tailgate. Uh, absolutely fantastic. We're going to pick up a couple today from Lunds and Byerly's. They're only, uh, I think, eight bucks a piece That's at Lunds and Byerly's this week, right now. Yeah. yeah, and we're doing that because we've got um, some guests coming over on Sunday, and we're going to do some light, oh, some heavy apps, oh. and we're going to grill. John has friends. We're going oh. <laughs> to grill the pizza out on the uh, on the patio or on the deck. So yeah, Seventh so. Avenue Pizza, great pizza. I get it. I bef- they have only recently become a sponsor. Yes, and I have eaten dozens of Seventh <laughs> Avenue pizzas in my life. Uh, so let, yeah. let, let me just say that uh, it's available. Uh, Lunds and Byros is where I get it, but Kowalski's and Coburn's and Hy-Vee and Holiday. Coburn's and, and Cashways, in fact, right now have a four for twenty four dollar deal. So you can get them for as okay. low as six bucks a piece, which is they great also price, support obviously. a lot of uh, local charities, which I think is great. They do uh, school fundraisers, and I, I don't know, just a it's great sauce pizza. face on the package. Well, sometimes it's a mark against them, certainly. But uh, well, that's what I'm eating, I guess, in the morning a lot of the times. But yeah, Seventh Avenue Pizza. Go pick it up. Go get it at Lunds, uh, seven ninety nine. Okay, so we got a lot of Twins notes that we'll get into. Um, I think. Uh, well, I also wanted to say, and this is proven by the last 10 minutes, I I do like that 
like Royce sat down for the interview and I had like an intro planned for him. Like, ladies and gentlemen, this is the award winner, blah, blah, blah. Patrick Royce, right. was blah, blah. And he just started talking. He's like, hey, guys. <laughs> so anyway, you were saying earlier. Well, you did. You weren't there for the Diamond Awards. But basically, his acceptance speech was exactly the same way. There was no. Right. There, were, it, there was nothing written down. There was no plan. It was just like. Let's talk a little bit. Like, you know, I like. But I the like. Guy. And then <laughs> essentially did the same thing, yeah, where yeah. he just sat down and we just yeah. like basically picked up our conversation from when I when we talked to him exactly. last. <laughs> yeah, and I thought but, that is such a perfect fit in my mind for the vibe of this show, yeah. which is literally just I come to John's house <laughs> and sit down, and John goes, "You ready?" And I go, "Yep." <laughs> and that's the okay, show, and yep. it can produce. Negative aspects. Maybe it's not as uh, coordinated, Maybe not as structured, structured or, uh, as polished, whatever. <laughs> but I just right. love that. Like we're doing the live event. It's recorded and it's a show. And yeah. in my head, I'm like, I got to intro these guys. Three time all star going. And no, he just sat down. He's like, uh, anyway, you guys were talking about. And it's like, all right, perfect. So I, I like that. So I just wanted to say that too. Uh, okay. So since last we spoke, because it's now been two, two weeks, weeks since yeah. we did a, a, a there regular is some show, actual news. They have uh, traded for Michael A. Taylor, right. the Royal Centerfield the past couple of years we talked a lot about this on the patreon side so if you want like 40 minutes on michael taylor right. and what it means but to just go over some of the some of the basics with him 32 years old he, like i said he's been the, the royals primary center fielder the past couple of years uh before that he was with washington uh he's been a starting or semi kind of a fringe starting, starter yeah uh, for the past decade basically yeah. uh super fast even at 32 you know 90 something percentile sprint speed great arm uh, just like a you know cannon for an arm, which we can talk a minute about how good the arms are uh, in the Twins outfield, just mm-hmm. in general with him. And Gold Glover in 2021, uh, certainly, I think he led all of baseball in defensive run saves and outs above average last year. He didn't win the Gold Glove, but I mean, this is just an elite, elite center fielder who can also play left and right, but just a true, I would say, certainly top five for the past five years center fielder and we've talked a lot over the years that because of buxton's injuries one of the things we i think at least the twins have failed to do as well as they should have is put in place a quality backup center fielder because you know at this point right even if things yeah. go well you're going to need someone else to start 50 yeah. games in center field right. and too often it's been jake cave or two years ago, a very clearly rushed and fish out of water, Hilberto Celestino, Celestino right. let alone, you know, uh, Mark Contreras, or they threw Nick Gordon out there with no outfield experience, or Rob right. Refsnyder. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, right. n- there's, not all of them have been bad necessarily, but, and, and sometimes it's, well, we're on the fifth guy on the depth chart. What did you expect? Right. But I would argue that in general, since Buxton kind of proved to be. Injury prone and likely to miss significant games, which has been the case for right. six or seven years, they just haven't had in place a, a backup that you would go, all right, that's a that's a high end backup. And by high end backup, what I mean is basically a low end starter, right? Uh, and yeah, so it does right. remind me a little so bit. So it can of, be it can be kind of hard to find that guy, right? Of course, that guy's because looking for a there starting are teams job, for right? whom Michael Taylor could start and has yeah, started right. for the Royals. Perfect right. example. Not a great team, but he's done a pretty decent job there. And so they traded a couple of marginal uh, reliever prospects, Stephen Cruz and Evan Sisk, to the Royals. They pick up uh, Taylor at a four and a half million dollar salary, which is roughly the going rate for a, ba- a good backup. They did the same thing, kind of, with Kyle Farmer, who's now the backup yep. shortstop. Yeah. Again, low end starting shortstop premium backup right infielder yep. 
And for that matter, they kind of have that situation at catcher. Ryan Jeffers, as an everyday catcher, is kind of stretched. Ryan Jeffers, as your backup catcher, is among the best in the league, probably. And so... And, and they've they really worked on their bench. It yes. was one of the things. The we, depth, we, I mean, was clearly a, a priority, as it should have been right. after a thousand injuries right. last year. Uh, we start, started talking at the beginning of the season, sort of like, you know, one of the things that's going on is they have a blank canvas, right? They've got a lot of money right. and they don't have that much that they need to really get. They, they right. got to get the shortstop. They weren't that many gaping catcher, holes that, right. where they were like, we have to fill this. And not only did they fill the holes with premium with very good players like they got the Carlos Correa for shortstop and then went out and got the second best catcher on the market Christian for the Vasquez, second one right yeah. as a result they also went out and what did they do with the leftover money they went and worked on well I mean they traded for a pitcher Pablo Lopez right, right? traded for starting pitcher starter in a five man right? rotation but then they also went and took care of a number of the bench spots right you know, Farmer and, Taylor right Nick Gordon is right now on the bench right. as your last bench guy which right. is we saw Nick Gordon was certainly a he was, regular caliber player last year. He had 400 at-bats last right. year. So, right. so, yeah, I mean, I think that's the the big takeaway from Taylor. But I mean, Taylor himself, first of all, Dan Hayes reported like two weeks ago or a week before they pulled off the trade that the Twins had talked to the Royals right. about Taylor. And the Royals basically said, this is according to Dan's report, which is we've talked about how good Dan has been this offseason on reporting stuff. But uh, – Basically, they said, well, yeah, we're willing to trade Taylor. We would like uh, Josh Winder right. back for him. <laughs> and uh, the Twins said, of course, please. <laughs> you got to be asking me with that. <laughs> right. And then they checked back later, and uh, the price had dropped to, you know, I'm not going to say Evan Sisk and, and Steven Cruz are incapable of being decent major league relievers. I actually right. think both of them profile as, as decent relievers. Sure. Cruz, especially if he starts to throw some strikes, has the, the size and the stuff to be a setup caliber guy. But they're, you know, C grade relief prospects. Every organization has right. 10 of those guys. Right. So that a couple of those guys ended up being the price, I think is a reasonable price. I think it's interesting, especially in the wake of similar negotiations with the Marlins for Arise and Lopez, where the Marlins were like, let's do a one for one. And the Twins said, hell no. And right. then a week later, they got the Marlins' fourth best prospect, a top 100 borderline guy in Jose Salas. I think you would have to say the Twins kind of played that out via their patience, which has been, you know, <laughs> for good, for better or worse, certainly a. Certainly a value. A calling card right. of this, of this exactly right. front office yes. over the years. Uh, so they pick up Taylor. Uh, I think, you know, A, the person that probably affects most is Celestino. Yeah, I think you can expect Celestino, you know, again, barring spring training injuries, right. to begin the season in AAA at St. Paul, which is a good thing. I mean, yes. he was rushed to the majors in 2021 because of injuries to the outfield, and he had barely played above single A at that point. He had right. played none at triple A. He had barely even played at double A, and they just kind of threw him in, and he was completely you know, overmatched. Right. And then last year, because of what we talked about, they hadn't established a, a good hierarchy for a backup center fielder. They just kind of threw him in again, and he was actually pretty good in April and parts of May, and then – then know, they figured out that they turned back into a pumpkin him a little bit, right? Pulling the ball. He he's played parts of two seasons, you know, in the majors. He's still twenty three for another couple of weeks, and so you look, and he's played seventy five total games <laughs> in the high minors, exactly double right. or triple A. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I think sending. I didn't him, think he had that many at triple A to beat. Well, what happened <laughs> yeah, was he got hurt in twenty twenty one. They sent him back to triple A after a while. Okay. Uh, and then he got like 40 games at AAA or whatever. But yeah. he's performed well in the minors. I also just think when you rush a player like him 
at 21 or even 22 into the majors like that when they're clearly not ready. They're not polished. They're not. They haven't even demonstrated that they're a high-end AAA player yet. Right. What you do is a it hurts the team as we saw, but b it, hurt, it potentially hurts that player's development. Right. But even beyond that, it hurts the perception of that player in that now people have watched Hilberto Celestino for parts of two seasons with the Twins, and I'm sure a lot of Twins fans are just convinced he stinks. Course, yeah, because right. for the most part, he hasn't been very good, or he's certainly been inconsistent. Right. You know, he he almost the cutoff man. He they, know, they they certainly take care. They take the pitchers take advantage of his weaknesses. Right. Like once you, but you, also, I just I just mean from a fan standpoint, people right. are watching. They go, "This guy's supposed to be good, and maybe he won't be good." I mean, there's no guarantees of that. But I just think the version you've seen of him is the it, – it's like taking something out of the oven before it's right. ready. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so you're going to go, well, this tastes terrible. Well, yeah, it was supposed to be in the oven for another 20 minutes. <laughs> so <laughs> I think the ability to send him to AAA, it's not that he's not potentially going to be in their plans for this season, but it's that he's the backup to the backup instead of being the backup. Right. And I think that is crucial for them. Uh, I also just think – I mean, he, he was called up when he was 21 years old. Right. I mean, that's the kind of that's the kind of age that you call up an absolute top prospect. Right. You know, that, and he, that, you know, he's a, he right. was an okay prospect, and he had, again, I think he had like eight or ten games at Double A right. at that point because they were just like, who do we have on the forty man roster who can play center field? Uh, I actually think he projects as kind of a perfect backup outfielder. Yeah. He can play all three spots. He's got range. He's got a pretty good arm. Uh, you know, if he has some level of hitting ability, I think he has kind of decent plate discipline, all that stuff. But. I kind of think he could even be better than that, to well, be honest right. with you. I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does in St. So Paul for a little I while. I think the depth that we talked about, it's great to add Taylor as a fourth outfielder. I think he's a high-end fourth outfielder, and it's needed given Buxton's you know injury track record. But the depth goes beyond that because now you have Celestino as the triple-A center fielder. Right. You have Gordon on the bench who can play center field. You have Gallo who can play center field. You have Kepler who, if needed, could still play center field. We're going to talk about Kepler in a minute. So, yeah, I mean, I think I'm going to – I wrote, uh, have a thing for Monday about just their improved outfield defense in general, which I think has a chance to honestly be the biggest strength on the entire roster, uh, relatively speaking. Yeah, I think that's one and, of the – And under, Taylor's a big part of that. I think the under – one of the underreported pieces that we haven't really talked about is how much they have improved the defense on this team right. over the last, I guess, specifically over this offseason. Um, you know, that outfield looks stunning, right. not just the three starters, but the backups. Everybody, like I mean, well, it's going right? to be very hard for them to come up with any combination. Miranda at third base is looking like about the only, and I mean, they've got, they, right. they got probably the best defensive catcher. Available on uh, right. on the free agent market, Vasquez. and with the, we already had good reports on Jeffers, except possibly throwing out runners. But I mean, the fact in terms of framing and such, it is it's right. good. I don't think their infield is going to be amazing. I think it's going to be okay. I just think the outfield is going to be spectacular. Yeah. I mean, you have a lot of it depends on Polanco. Uh, you know, I've, I'm not sure whether I like uh, Polanco right now. Kind of profiles a sort of an average second right. baseman. I mean, I don't be like he can be. I think you're that, you're. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't think there's any reason to think the infield would be great. But it's not going to be bad. And if the infield is average and the outfield is the best in baseball, you're going to have a real good defense. And I just think you have two of probably the top three to five center fielders in the world, in <laughs> Buxton and Michael Taylor. Yeah. You have Kepler, who in my mind is certainly a top three to five right fielder. Right. You have Gallo, who's won two gold gloves in left and right, who's right now probably right. slotted for left, but can play right and can play center. Uh, you have Nick Gordon on the bench, who certainly as a left fielder is solid and as a center fielder is passable. As we just mentioned, you have Celestino waiting in the wings in the minors. And then, by the way, midseason, 
You might have Royce Lewis in the outfield mix. Right. You might have Austin Martin in the outfield yeah, mix. Right. Uh, there's a lot of things there that I think. And you know, Matt Walter isn't a bad well, outfielder. That ain't, ain't going to help your, your <laughs> no. defensive argument. He's a great arm, but yeah. I think you're going to see him at DH. But even Larnick, who right, right yeah, now right. is probably slated to be their designated hitter on opening day, if it stands, if they're facing a righty, right, right. is statistically a really good outfielder in the time we've. He's got like 900 innings over two yeah. years. He, he's huge, and so he's not a, a speed demon, right. but he's got a, a good, strong arm. He's massive. He moves pretty well once he gets underway. You know, they go six, seven deep and kind of shake it up and draw it out of a hat how you want to surround Buxton or surround right. Taylor in center. There really is no way, and, and Baldelli actually said this to me at, at the luncheon the other day because I said – was outfield defense like? Did you guys sit down at the beginning of the offseason and go, "We got to fix the outfield defense"? And he said, "No." Like it was discussed. Like, sure. are there ways to dis- to to address this? But what he said was basically, "Well, we started kind of seeing the pieces fit here." Right. Where I, I'm going to p- not put words in his mouth, but they've not traded Kepler. Right. Well, okay, then you have a great right fielder. They added Gallo on this one year upside deal. Well, he's a Gold Glover in left or right. Then you get to that point, and Baldelli kind of said, "Well, we got to that point a few weeks ago, and we thought." Well, why don't we just lean right into this thing right. and just add Michael Taylor to the mix and go from very good to impossibly good? <laughs> and I think that's – look, it's not going to draw headlines. It's not going to be something where people go, I'm picking him to win the division because of the outfield defense. That would be craziness. But if you're trying to imp- improve a fly ball pitching staff, fixing the outfield defense in a way that they go from eh to wow right. yeah. is worth – Potentially 10, 20, 30 runs a year. And I think there's a, you know, kind of cascading effect there where if you can get into a situation where balls hit into the gap are caught instead of being, you know, skipping up against the wall for double or triple. Right. right, There's a, there's value in that. Like each time you catch a double, you know, it's worth whatever runs. But I also think there's just a sort of cumulative effect there where easy innings happen. Pitchers are no longer dreading fly balls. There's, there's like maybe they get to face the third or exact type of the order. It kind of, it kind of, you know, compounds a little bit in a way. Uh, So I think Taylor really adds to that. Uh, I think it also pretty much now look, Kepler could still be traded, but it does not sound like that's going to happen. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, And so if that's the case, once you add Taylor to the mix, they've pretty much. Not locked in, but penciled in the the half of the roster that's the position player side. Right. So it's a twenty six man roster. The maximum you right. can have is thirteen pitchers. I would certainly expect them to have thirteen pitchers. If you let if if, if they were allowed to have twenty four pitchers, they'd have twenty four <laughs> pitchers. So thirteen is the max now, which means they're gonna have thirteen position players, which means you have that starting nine and four bench guys. Right. Well, here's the thing. Eight spots are locked in, basically, in my mind. Assuming health, you have Vasquez at catcher, right. Kirloff at first, Polanco. Okay, at so you got Kirloff as okay, got it. Okay, right, all right. Pol- I mean, again, I, they, health. I, I was I was having seven locked in with first base and DH being okay. the ones I'm not totally sure about. Polanco at second, Correa at short, Miranda at third, Gallo in left, Buxton in center, uh, Kepler, Kepler right. in right. I would suspect that Trevor Larnick would be your primary designated hitter, but they're going to cycle guys through the, the DH spot, obviously based on injuries and matchups and all that stuff. Well, so if you include Larnick, there's your nine. Right. That leaves four, four bench spots. Well, Jeffers, taken. <laughs> Jeffers is <laughs> right. the backup right. catcher, right. like we just discussed. Farmer is the backup infielder. Taylor is the fourth outfielder. And then Nick Gordon is the outfield, yeah. infield, whatever. Well, that's 13. 
yeah, time check was another league. We got twelve of the twelve of them figured out for sure, and all that comes down to who's the last bat. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I, it, it almost doesn't matter yeah, what I mean, position if, they play. If Kirilov's wrist is problematic, right. then that changes. Well, who are things? the last two bats? Right. You know? <laughs> if if Matt Walner has an amazing spring and and Trevor Larnick has a poor spring or right. whatever, you can you can do some things there. I mean, maybe a, Julian looks really really yeah, good. Ed Julian is a. I discussed him with the Twins employee at the luncheon. It was very interesting. <laughs> I, yeah, I think he's. You're going to see him this year. I think. Uh, what at what position? Unclear, right. but uh, they they like him a lot as an on base percentage guy. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I think it's. If you look at that lineup, I'm not here to tell you that that's going to be, you know, the 27 Yankees or something like right, that, right, or even right. the 2019 Twins in terms of scoring sure. runs. But there aren't a lot of weak spots. There aren't a lot of spots where you go, oof, that guy's going to be bad. And some of the spots that are a little iffy, Gallo, for instance, right. if he hits yeah, 160 right, again, yeah. well, that is a weak spot, right. are easily replaceable midseason by Walner, by Larnick, by Austin Martin, by right. Ed Julian, by whoever – uh, and, you know, if Kirilov is not ready to go, that's a dent in their depth. They would love him to be the everyday first yeah. baseman offensively and defensively. But also we know last year everybody played first base, right. and they were yeah. mostly fine. Yeah. And going back a couple of years, Sano played first base, and he was mostly fine <laughs> yeah. at first right. base. They they don't view that. Although I do think if there's a move to be made, that would be the move. Someone like uh, Yulieska Gurriel or Luke Voigt. It's Luke Voigt. If they, they have been something like that. But Voigt, I, I don't yeah. get the sense that a right-handed hitting – First base DH veteran, somebody who can just step in the lineup, get 400 at bats, pop 15, 20 home runs. Yeah. Um, I think that would be a good fit. I think they would have a use for that, but it doesn't seem like they're going after that. Now, if someone is available on a cheap deal three yeah. weeks from now or something, but also, as we just discussed, we named the 13 position players. Who's getting bumped from that 13 to make room for Guriel or Voigt or fill in the blank with whichever? You know, you could bump Larnack, you could bump right. whoever. Now, if Kirilov shows up to camp, and on the third day he's in the trainer's room and his wrist is problematic, right. well, yeah, then you're making then some calls. Then everything's yeah. Maybe, maybe you're picking up a, a Voight or something, right. or maybe you are at the very least it opens the door for Walter or something like right. that. Right. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I think that's that's what Taylor kind of does, and it's in tandem with what we mentioned about Kepler. We, I mean, we've been talking about Kepler a lot. My, Dan Hayes had a good report yesterday or the day before about Kepler and the you know too long didn't read version of it was they've been trying to trade him they still believe they should be able to get decent value for him right that is not materialized and they have basically decided we're not just going to give him away right uh, which you know we kind of laid that out we, the beginning yeah, of the offseason they see the offseason I thought that if they couldn't move him they would um if they couldn't trade him for something that would make the team better, they would trade him for some prospects. And, right. ma- and maybe that still qualifies as a possibility. Right. But we just went through the roster, right? And suddenly the thick, the the only area we have questions about is like hitters, left-handed hitting hit, hitters. Well, like we're kind of like, how much depth do we – we got Kirilov and Larnick. And, oh, two of those guys are already taken. Once the trade had arise – Right. That's the See, I think that's the big difference, which is yep. we entered the offseason pre-Gallo, pre-Rise trade. And it was, well – they got Larnick, they got Kirilov, right. they got Walner. They could probably afford to trade Kepler. Then they sign Gallo, who is a right. left-handed hitting corner outfielder slash first baseman, and we go, well, that they're going to trade Kepler, right. obviously. But instead, they lessened that left-handed bat logjam, corner right. bat, you know, right field, left field, first base DH logjam, of which there is one, by trading a rise. Right. 
And I'm not saying that's a one-for-one, like that opens a spot for Kepler or anything, but it removes a left-handed bat from the mix, (laughs) and he was going to play first base DH. Suddenly, you're a little bit worried worried about the depth, especially given that you still don't know about Kirilov. I mean, I I personally wouldn't be worried about it, but I think there's less kind of overflow where you go, well, we got to move this guy. And what they made clear, and we talked about this for months now, at the beginning of the offseason was... We're not just looking to salary dump Max right. Kepler. He's owed eight and a half million this year, a ten million dollar option with a one million dollar buyout for next year. They could let's be very clear. Today, if they just decided we need that eight and a half million or we don't want oh, Max sure. Kepler, they could one hundred percent trade him for some, you know, sea level prospect or some right. random reliever or whatever. They, that's not or, not, or, or or if somebody became available that they needed to trade for right. and added some additional payroll, that's an easy right. way to make some room. Right. But they're holding out, rightly or wrongly, for what they perceive to be decent value for him. You know, I do think they would trade him for a good reliever, but not necessarily, you know, one year of a good reliever. I don't mean like a right. Duran type. I mean like a Michael Fulmer type. Right. Yeah. Uh, but I think if they could get a reliever who's got a couple of years of team control – even a you know sixth seventh inning type of guy, I think they would do something like that. I think if you could get a good prospect, you think they'd still do something like that? Yes, hmm. I think that's kind of what they're holding out for. Do you okay. know what I mean? Like yeah. that's that's why Kepler is still on the roster. There's also the possibility that he does benefit from the shift that he has a good first half. In which case, if Walner's down at AAA crushing it, or yeah. Larnick's looking healthy and Kirloff's looking healthy, and all of a sudden Austin Martin's hitting 300 at AAA or whatever, Royce Lewis is about to. Well, then you can potentially execute that sort of trade with Kepler, who would then have another year of team control that teams might value. So I can can see where they would make that deal, you know, and then also go out and get a void or something like that, where they try to get, you try to get, try to backfill one of the spots. So they're not, they're not counting on Larnick and Kirilov at first and Larnick at left field and Walner at DH. I know like, you know, I'm, I'm not high on Max Kepler. I probably would have traded him. Uh, possibly previous years, I would have traded him. Um, but I, I do get the logic of it. I don't think there's like a pressing need to trade him. The money isn't really needed. Right. I mean, unless you just think they desperately need to sign, you know, Michael Fulmer or something like right. that, or Luke Voigt or right. Guriel or whatever it is. I would argue that for the five million Chaffin. that might take, yeah. they should just do that anyway. But that's a whole other issue. Uh, so that's where they're kind of at. I mean, I think. The only person who really doesn't have a cl- – right now, if they keep Kepler um, and they've added Taylor and everybody's healthy, healthy-ish, which means Kirilov and Larnick, the only guy who really doesn't have kind of a clear marching orders is Gordon in terms of a role. Yeah. And I include Walner in that. Walner right now would be headed to AAA, and I think you can make the argument that I'd be just fine – put him in the majors on opening day. Sure. But he only played like a yeah. month at AAA last year. Right. So to send him for AAA for a couple months. I'd rather he's getting every day at bats. Right, play. exactly. He's not going to get every day bats. Everyone else, you know, if healthy Kirilov's going to play a ton at first base in DH and some probably left field, if healthy Larnick's going to play a ton of DH and corner outfield, we just went over Kepler and, and right. Taylor and Buxton and Gallo in the outfield. That's There's plenty of at-bats to go around there, in my opinion. Taylor's a right-handed bat, while not a garlic type, but he is a right-handed bat right. who can kind of platoon and mix and match there. You're going to see him next to Buxton at times, which is going to be – I mean, if you can put out Taylor in left, Buxton in center, and either Gallo or Kepler in right, you can't – 
like it's impossible to get a better defense in an outfield than <laughs> yeah, that. Right. Like unless you're going to resurrect, you know, a 22 year old Andrew Jones with like a 25 year old Willie Mays or something. Like it's impossible yeah. to do that. Um, and so I think if you're only kind of where do we find at bats is Nick Gordon, which by the way was the case last year as well. That he right. did not have an established role, and like you said, he ended up getting he had 400, 400, 400 at bats. Yeah. And so I, I do think, given his positional flexibility uh, and given his track record and all that, to have him be the one kind of uh, counterpunch move as opposed to a plan right. is perfectly fine with me. I mean, he's uh, got the flexibility and he's got the defensive flexibility to play almost everywhere. Right. You know what I mean, it's certainly right. infield or outfield he can play. Yeah. Uh, and... What I'm curious about is if he play. Are they going to have him play a little third base? I think that would open up something, because if if Kirilov is hurt, yeah. you're going to see Gallo at first base a lot. You're also going to see some Miranda at first base, in which case third base is open. You'd probably see Farmer then at yeah. third base, but I think it would be good to have a left-handed bat at yeah, third I base. Agree with you. But they really haven't played Gordon at third base. But my point I'm is sure always the arm for third base. But if you play shortstop yeah, in the majors, right. you can certainly play third well, base yeah, in the but, majors. Yeah, but they didn't play shortstop in the majors. Well, he played, <laughs> he's played 20 right, games yeah, in shortstop. That, yeah, but, I mean, I don't think Jose Miranda has a better arm than well, I mean, Gordon, yeah, necessarily. Here's the best part about Gordon as sort of the 13th man. He's left-handed. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, you've got – you can well, put him but in, that only helps you put in, him in a fair amount of time. Huh? That only helps really well, in because everybody's left-handed on the outfield. But So, yeah, that's where they're at for position player side of things. Uh, before we get to a bunch of other news and notes here, let's talk about our last couple of sponsors. One of them is BetterHelp, uh, which is a long-ish time sponsor. The, the deal with BetterHelp is it's it's therapy, and the beauty of it is instead of having to call around and go interview people and do stuff over the phone or in person or whatever, they'll set it up however you right. want to set it up. And what I, all the obstacles. Yes, what I mean by that is if you say to yourself, I really I don't want to see somebody in person, but I could do a video chat. Right. Perfect. That's right. If you say, I don't even want to be on camera. I, don't, I haven't showered today. I'm feeling self-conscious. You want to just talk to somebody on the phone. They'll set that up. And if you say, like I have many days in my life, I don't even want to talk on the phone. You can just do a live <laughs> chat with yeah. them. They, they will tailor it to your needs. It's removing kind of the barrier for entry to therapy, which I think is so valuable as someone who has woken up some days and said, I'd love to talk to somebody about this. Yeah. And then thought, that's going to take hours to set this up and I'll have to drive over here and see somebody. How, how do I even go about doing it? Right. Who do I talk to? And then it, it stops you from doing it. It's better help it's removes so all that. Convenient. It's, I mean, it's that, super it, convenient. Right. It's real therapy from real licensed therapists right. that can actually help you with whatever it is, small or big stuff yeah. that you also, need. Also a little bit more affordable. It's more affordable right. too. And if you, uh, Want to give it a try? You can go to BetterHelp.com slash Gleeman. You get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, BetterHelp.com slash Gleeman. And then our last sponsor for today is uh, is Native Deodorant. You can also solve some of your life's problems by smelling better or less bad um, by Native Deodorant. That's what John has done. People used to hate John. Now people like John, mostly because, That's because he smells like vanilla and coconut instead of B.O. Or uh, some of the latest uh, vanilla, uh, some Valentine's Day flavors. Yeah. Are well, that, that's your own business, John. I don't want to get into that. That's uh, great. Uh, candy flavors like, uh, let's see, I think you got strawberry taffy. Yeah. I got something cinnamony. I think I got a gummy bear one or something. <laughs> uh, but the way native deodorant works is they send it right to you. It's works well, smells good. Using ingredients that you will actually recognize 
when you look at it and you say, I don't even know what this is. So you're putting it on your body. It doesn't have like aluminum and all right. that stuff on it. Right. And the packaging, they can go non-plastic packaging, which yep. is great. Yes. Uh, you can, I like that cardboard packaging better than yeah. I like the plastic. You one. can pick and yeah, choose works better. the different scents that you want or the different types that you want. And if you go to native DEO, like deodorant, DEO, native DEO.com slash Gleeman, use the promo code Gleeman when you check out, you get a 20% off your first order, that's nativedeo.com slash Gleeman. Promo code Gleeman at checkout gets you 20% off your first order. Okay, so let's move. I got a bunch of just random stuff right, to, let's roll. to talk about here. So I just wanted to, uh, yeah. The one, just to reiterate with Taylor, you know, I've been of the opinion that they are short of one right-handed hitting outfield bat. They have Kyle Garlic now off the 40-man roster, but still in the organization at AAA. He could suffice. I personally would have tried to find kind of a rich man's Kyle Garlic this offseason. Right. McCutcheon, Pollock, uh, Mancini, Duvall, that type and of thing. And there's evidence that they did try to do that. They right. certainly were, you know. McCutcheon but they didn't do that. And so instead right. they took an interesting tact, which is what if we kind of flip it on its head? We're looking for a big-ish bat who can passably play left and right field. What if instead we find a elite elite center fielder who can play left and right field and and really prop up the defense, and he's a right-handed hitter, Michael Taylor. Right. But it, you know his career, I think he's got a seven twenty-five OPS against lefties. That's still going to be a bottom of the order guy, but yeah. it's good enough that with a tough lefty on the mound on a given day, you can take Larnick or Kepler or Gallo or Kirloff, whoever out of the lineup, right. give them a day off so you don't have as many lefties in the lineup, which was a huge problem right. for the Lamasha. You want to avoid lefty-on-lefty matchups when you're building lineups unless you have a true elite left-handed hitter, and even then they need some days off against really good. Taylor is certainly capable enough as a right-handed hitter to hit you 260 with a little bit of pop. As an 7-8-9 hitter, he will be an upgrade over Kepler against lefties, over Gallo against lefties. And so I think he fits that way, and if the overall value package – you know, and, he's and, less he provides, of and he provides really good defense out there well, as well. That's the right? thing, right? Yeah, so thing. you're you're getting a little boost offensively against lefties, not nearly what you get, would from Garlic or sure. from McCutcheon or Pollock, but he's also extraordinarily great in left to right field right. and can fill a void as the backup center fielder. So you're checking multiple boxes. So it's it's not the like. It's a little bit of a creative solution to the same problem, yeah. but I think the end result will be the same. It just doesn't – it's not quite as as straightforward of a fit of a kind of platoon outfielder. It also provides you the opportunity versus lefties to put um, Buxton at DH. Right. Right, because you, we've got the, the – both corners are left-handed hitters, but looks like our first baseman and our DH right. might also be left-handed hitters, right? So you can throw Taylor in center field. And then you know whichever whoever you're gonna you know throw Larnick out in left field for a day, and now Buxton gets to be the DH. Right. Something like that. I also so. think you're gonna see Farmer some in left field. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're gonna see Jeffers at times at DH against lefties, yeah. where they can start Vasquez at catcher and Je- or vice versa. That's a good point. Too. Uh, yep. So yeah, there's gonna be some mixing and matching there. Okay, so a few other a few other notes here. Speaking of Jeffers, I um. I was in the lunch line, like I said, at the media luncheon, and they were serving tater tot hot dish, and I'm scooping it onto my plate. Of course. Why not? I hope you're scooping a lot. Yeah, decent, so decent amount by my standards, yeah. And next to me in line is Pablo Lopez and Ryan Jeffers. Okay. And 
I could tell Pablo Lopez is eyeing it up like, what the fuck is that? But he's not. I've never. I barely met him. But Jeffers goes, what's the deal with uh, Minnesotans and tater tot hot dish? Just to no one in particular. And so I turned to him and I was like, all right, I'm going to try to explain it. And so I'm talking and I'm saying, well, you know, it's it's a comfort food and blah 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 and the. And then I say to him, I can tell it's he's 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 taking he's in what I'm saying. Yeah. And Lopez is like listening to what I'm saying. And I'm like 30 seconds into it, and I'm holding up the line. And I finally just stop and I say to him, you know what? We got a lot of weird shit here. <laughs> and he said, that's yeah. And he almost like nudged Lopez, like you're gonna learn. They do have a lot of weird shit here. So I thought that was a good. I, I tried. None of the weird shit is tiered on hot dish, though. That's I mean, it's not at the top the world, of the list, yeah. but yeah. Anyway. Uh, the other thing, uh, Joe Maurer, they announced, is going into the Twins Hall of Fame, yep. which everybody knew, worst kept secret of all time. It'll be August 5th, which is a Saturday night home game at Target Field against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, cool. He'll be there for that. He's the only Hall of Fame uh, inductee this year for the Twins. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how long really... the pregame thing goes. <laughs> yeah, I don't predict he'll be a real long speech. No, I don't think so. Although I didn't, I wouldn't have predicted Morno was going to be a long speech, and he went approximately four hours <laughs> to the point that people make fun of him constantly yeah, exactly. for that. Um, let's see a few other notes from uh, some of the media availability around around Twins Fest. Uh, I asked about the six man rotation possibility, and a couple other people asked yeah. about that too. And I would say that Falvey. And Baldelli, but Falvey, he, he he didn't rule it out. He didn't say, like, we'll never use a six-man rotation. But reading between the lines, the sense I got was that they are planning to use a five-man rotation. And if somehow they get to opening day with six, with six healthy, you know, Sonny Gray, Maeda, Mally, Lopez, Joe Ryan, and Bailey Ober. Those are their six starters. They're kind of veteran-ish starters. If somehow... All those guys, which includes Maeda coming back from Tommy John surgery, Mally coming back from shoulder problems last year, Bailey Ober coming back from hamstring problems last year, and on and on and on. If somehow it's the end of March and all those guys have made five spring starts and they're all feeling great, is a six-man rotation possible for a few weeks or whatever? Maybe. Maybe. I still don't think it's likely, but that's possible. However, the point is, realistically, the odds of those particular six guys, let alone really any six starters – Getting healthy and making it to that point are pretty slim. I would almost argue they are more likely to end camp with four of those guys healthy than they are with <laughs> six of those guys healthy. Accurate. I think five yeah. is probably the most likely number, which the, means someone's not right. I mean, the, the six-man rotation question strikes me as the same sort of thing as the uh, what are we going to do when so-and-so comes off the injured list two weeks from now right. question. Odds the answer are, is, by that point, we'll answer the question when it's ac- right. we have to actually ask the question. Right. And it's <laughs> right. also it's a good problem to have or a good question to have to answer. Sure. I mean, you would certainly prefer that uh, over whatever hair proof. That's a new one. The person walked in and interrupted, <laughs> then said, are you doing a podcast? Yes. Can I talk to you? I want to do a podcast. That's a new one. That's a new one. I gotta say. I've John's got a like, card. John's like, yeah, but I wouldn't, a lawyer. I wouldn't advise it. Uh, okay. A few other, few other things. Uh, Gallo, like I mentioned, I think is clearly the, sick, the backup first baseman. Okay. I think if Kirloff begins the year on the injured list, Gallo will be the opening day first baseman, okay. in which case that whole outfield scenario shifts a little bit. Maybe uh, Larnack in Larnack left. Probably, and, yeah. And, who knows at DH? Um, I don't get the sense that they're actively trying to sign a reliever, whether it's Fulmer, Andrew Chafin, 
fill in the blank with whoever you like. That doesn't mean, again, similar to the first base thing we just discussed with Voight and Guriel or whoever, three, four weeks from now, if there's an injury sure. or there's just a couple of guys sitting on the market who are willing to take minor league or deals. Or they take or, a look at the arms they've got in, correct. in the relief pitch. I, I don't think it's like impossible that they bring someone in. I just I don't expect, whether it's Fulmer or whoever else, that they're kind of actively looking. I think they feel, rightly or wrongly, and I certainly would lean towards adding one more quality reliever, but they, they don't feel that way. At least that's my sense. Um, there was a lot of talk which, about – Which has always been – one of their things like they they right. seem to feel like they can develop we'll relief pitchers yeah uh there was a lot of talk uh about miranda being in much better shape he's been working out a lot right. the idea is you're going to be a third baseman now get into better shape i also think he went through the grind of a full-ish season right. in the majors and by the end of it was on fumes physically <laughs> yeah. and kind of felt and so well, that would explain the september and right. uh, august yeah. and correa who's become his mentor and take him under his wings was at twins fest talking up how great he looked and he said uh his quote that everybody liked was he said to the reporters at twins fest have you seen that body sexy (laughs) i thought yeah okay i mean the Uh, the truth is is that uh miranda is sort of a sexy yeah that's right he is sort of a uh pivot point on this team in a lot of ways you know they need his right-handed bat power bat and frankly they need him they need a decent bat at third base. We just talked about like that's the one position we're like, okay, well, right. we, if that doesn't work out, we're either going to see a lot of Kyle Farmer or a lot of Nick Gordon or some you know some or combination of them. Somebody's going to get rushed to the majors, or somebody's going to get rushed to the majors, like Brooks Lee, Austin Martin. Ju- Can Julian play third base? Yeah, he played third base yeah. in college. I don't think he's going to be great at third base. Julian's played everywhere basically. Yeah, um, he's been at second mostly right. recently. But uh, for that matter, if Royce Lewis is healthy in June or July. Third base is not an unnatural spot right. for yeah. a former shortstop. Absolutely. Right. So, Absolutely right. um, let's see. A couple other things. My, my, Kent Maeda told uh, reporters at Twins Fest he's a full go. He is 100% healthy. Right. That was part of their hope by not bringing him back as a reliever in September that he could have a full normal offseason with no setbacks right. and basically show up to spring training. He almost gets the 18-month Tommy, Tommy John right. uh, recovery period despite the fact that he was kind of on a 12-month right. Tommy John recovery period. That doesn't guarantee anything, but – they can hopefully treat him as a normal starter right. as opposed to, oh, this guy's coming back. And then Kirloff talked to Dan, I know. I didn't, I didn't talk to me, but talked to Dan Hayes and said somewhat concerningly, although he didn't seem concerned by it, but that he's been swinging. I think he said 50 to 60 swings a day recently during the offseason yeah. to kind of ramp up all the time he missed with the surgically twice surgically repaired right wrist. And told Dan he still has some pain and discomfort, but that it's different than it was. Okay. And that they told him basically that scar tissue. No, they told him <laughs> we shaved part of yeah, your bone yeah, down. Okay, like right. it's it's still setting aside the actual injury. If we had just gone in and done that to a healthy wrist, right. there'd be some recovery time. Now, obviously, his track record with this and the fact that he had the surgery and then had pain right. and couldn't play through it and had to have a second surgery is worrisome. Right. And I do think there's a very real possibility that even without like a huge setback, he just participates in spring training and they just decide he needs another three weeks, he needs another month, whatever it is, in which case there's going to be – Someone might have to be added to the roster. Right. There's going to be some shuffling. Maybe going. he goes to St. Paul. Maybe he goes to right. Stanford Spring Training. Now, you mentioned Miranda as a pivot point. I think Kirilov is, is probably Huge, the another, biggest, yes, to me, that's, pivot point. That's a pivot point. Because a healthy Alex Kirilov, the guy we saw briefly, but we saw the mm. last couple of years and the year before that when yeah. they called him up after 
I mean, this is a. I mean, both of those guys could middle be, of the order. Yeah, those I mean, guys could be on three, four, right. three, four, five hitters. Yeah, for ten years yeah. or whatever. Right. Or if he's got wrist problems, right, for a third straight year, right, that might be it. You know what I mean? Like, there's su- that's such a wide spectrum Ugh. of results, and it's so impossible to sit here on, you know, Feb whatever, and say which one is more likely. Certainly, they're they're optimistic. I don't mean to paint it as pessimism. It feels to me like you got more backup plans for Kirilov than you do for Miranda, though, or at least better backup yeah, plans. I mean, that's always going to be the case. I mean, Miranda right. is a backup plan for Kirilov. Right? Yeah, that's ways. a fair point. But yeah, first base is always just going to be. Yeah, that's uh, a good point. Let's see a few other. Yeah, they could move Miranda to first, and I mean, look, I think. Edward Julian at first base in the second half could very much work. I think Miranda at first base. Either he doesn't look great at third base, right. in which they just yep. say, yeah. just throw him back at first or DH. Yeah. Um, I asked about like Larnick and Walner getting reps at first base and was told that's not really in the plans right now. Okay. Uh, but Gallo can – well, absolutely. I think Gallo's going to yeah. play a lot of first base. Yeah. Um, Farmer can play first base. Um, I'm trying to think who else. I don't know. Uh <laughs> Couple other things. Um, oh well, let's finish with the TV discussion. I guess okay. we don't have some great insight into this. I've been reading the same articles everyone else has. We got a chance to talk to Dave St. Peter a little bit about it. I've talked uh, off record with a few Twins officials about it, you know, months ago. Just kind of the overall situation. But basically, the newest thing with uh, St. Clair, Sinclair, which owns Bally Sports through a subsidiary called Diamond Sports Group or something like that. Uh, it's a disaster. It's it's probably <laughs> – I read Bloomberg called it the biggest sports media um, loss or failure or whatever ever. They bought 20-something stations. Right. Uh, local from Fox regional sports right, networks because Fox. Fox needed to sell them. Right. It was deemed a monopoly once Fox right, – That's right. They bought like 20-something, including uh, what was Fox Sports North, became Bally Sports North. Right. So, you know, think of that. It has it has Twins and Wild yeah, and wolves. wolves and some Gopher stuff right. and whatever. There's one of those in every market, basically, or most markets. And they bought 25 of them, something like that, including the, tw- the Minnesota one. And what for billions of dollars, by the way, like tens of billions of dollars. I they mean, decided what they were going to do. They had a different market plan. They were – instead of – you know, licensing stuff out to streaming providers, right? right? The, like that, you know, the, basically you are able to YouTube watch it on TV. cable because they have a license with Comcast. Right. Comcast agrees to show them and they agree to sell. Most places are... They, they've come to an agreement on how much Comcast is going to charge their right. people for that, right? Most pa- places in the year 2022, 2023 are wanting to be on Hulu TV, right. YouTube TV, Google. They want to be available... To cord cutters, streamers, all that. Sinclair said they didn't want to do right. that. They went and, the opposite. and they let all of those contracts expire. And the reason they did that is because they were going to go the Netflix direction, right? They were going to become their own subscription service where you go and you get, you know, you get the stuff directly from them as opposed to right. through these other various online providers. And it costs 20 bucks a month or something like that. I can't remember exactly what they Except the infrastructure before. for that was not in place. Turns out they don't know what the hell they're doing. Right. So once they – the product they did put out was horrendous in my opinion. Okay. Yeah. I'm a user. Okay. Um, they also just completely mi- misjudged the market for that right now. Uh, they also, by the way, tried to play hardball with YouTube TV and some of these places right. in terms of what they were going to charge them to be on their service. And all these services say – 
you need us more than we need you. Right. What what are you doing? Right. And, well, I mean, they played hardball because they thought they would just right. get it direct. But they also right. played hardball with like Dish and right. some of the other places. Yeah. They right. just completely mismanaged this. I would say on every possible level. And to be clear, this is not anyone in Minnesota. Right. I know, like Dave St. Peter gets asked about this constantly. People are upset. He, they're upset too. Yeah. They were sort of sold. Right. To this thing, they, the twins themselves twins have already no, had a contract with right. this. Provider. They have no they control right, over right. this, really. Uh, so what's happened recently that change it? We'll keep this short, but like Bloomberg came out with an article and there's been some other reports. The Diamond Sports whatever, which is kind of the umbrella subsidiary that has under it all these regional sports networks. Yeah, because Sinclair doesn't just have the regional sports networks. They also have local networks throughout the United States, right? right? Uh, Is going bankrupt, uh, almost certainly. Now, that doesn't mean Sinclair is going bankrupt because that's how uh, corporation... Right. Work. They're protected That's how they shield there. themselves. But what's going to happen is they're going bankrupt, which means the people who have loaned them money, the people to whom they owe money, potentially have the ability to convert that debt into equity. In other words, they can say, you owe us $10 billion. You have no money to pay us. We want 80% of the company or 100% of the company for that. If that happens, it can go one way because then you've basically turned this entire regional sports System over to a bunch of hedge fund guys right. or whatever, yeah, right. which or banks, or probably whatever, not the greatest right. news. Um, or it could just blow up and sort of dissolve, in which case it becomes the wild west for these teams. In the twin situation, right. they only have one more year under contract to Bally Sports or right. to Sinclair Media. Right. And the way I would describe their situation is imagine you're a senior in high school and you are at the worst school of all time. Okay. And you go out into the hallway and there's just, you know, dumpster fires going and <laughs> there are no books and the teachers have all quit and you go, I got to get out of this school. And then someone tells you, oh, actually, this school is just going to get torn down. <laughs> and you go, when's that going to happen? And they go, next year probably. And you go, well, I'm a senior anyway, so what's the difference? Right. That's, That's where it. the twins are. Right. The twins accept that. <laughs> we're going to get out of this thing right. no matter what. They were going to graduate out of this horrendous school. And I can tell you, they were not looking to re-up with Bally because <laughs> right. they're not happy with the distribution. Dis- but, dis- but it's not clear what, that, what their right. other options That's are. That's the problem. Right. So you graduate out of this crappy high school, and then you go, I'm looking to go to college now. And then you go, where? And you go, well, there aren't any colleges all of a sudden. Right. I'm going to stop with this terrible analogy. But basically, <laughs> right. if you're the tw- – now, there are some markets where there are alternatives. There right. are some markets yes. that have a CSN, Comcast sport. Right. There's some like root sports I know, and there's some sort of localized options here. I would think that Comcast would be taking a look at this and going, But for the Jesus, Twins, there are no saying? established right. options television-wise for them to sort of, okay, now, and keep in mind, this is 162 games, plus it's Wolves right. and Wild. I mean, this is hundreds of hours of, of programming or days of programming. There isn't another alternative. Now, someone could start that. The Twins tried to do that 20 years ago. Someone could start that up. But I think the fear is... The problem with that is that if you try to start something like that, you still have to get the local cable provider to to add you to their channels, right? Which is what they ran into when they tried to do Victory Sports back in, what, 2005? It's a a mess. And I think while getting away from Bally and Sinclair is probably a good thing long term... I don't know that there is an immediate solution to that that right. is going to be better even yeah. or less bad even. But what I will say is this, because this is the thing that Twins fans want to know about the most. If this thing goes bankrupt, if it gets sold, if it whatever, I'm pretty confident saying, the Twins seem pretty confident saying, 
their games this season in the season that starts, you know, right. six weeks from now, whatever it is, probably will not be affected. This whole yeah, process I think that, I think is going true. to take enough right. time to play out and there's enough protections in place and all that stuff that it's not like a month from now, you know, the hammer is going to drop and all of a sudden 20 different teams are have no right. television home. The idea seems to be the 2023 season will be unaffected, at which point maybe the 2024 20, season is very much affected. Right. But the Twins are done with them anyway. So the Twins were going to be in a position where they needed to find a new home or to renegotiate with Bally and return, which I thought was unlikely, regardless. And so I think the hope, if you're a Twins fan, is it should be, quote-unquote, business as usual – which, by the way, wasn't great to begin with. A right. lot of people can't watch them anyway. But that is, I think, the current um, sense of where the Valley Sports North is. The upcoming season should not be affected. Yeah, the question there are massive questions about, about what happens after that. Yeah, it might not be on cable on 2024. And just right? the industry as a whole, I really believe that the, the T- NBA, NHL, MLB are going to take over distribution of their own product. Yeah. I think that's where this is headed. It's, fun, it's funny that they're kind of being pushed into it because that's right. definitely something they've been interested in. But it was it was too profitable to not do that. Right. You know, it was too profitable to late wait and let the two uh, regional sport networks channels in each market play off against each other. Correct. Right? And, and, and here's ultimately, I'll be, I'll be real interested to see how Comcast if if Comcast considers adding a sports network in part because if they don't, and the choice decide we're not signing with we're not signing with anybody. Right. How many people drop cable completely? Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, at this point, I I have Directv. Right. And the only kind of live programming that I watch on TV via Directv versus streaming on whatever platform is live sports. Right. I mean, truly. Right. That's that's, it. That's it. Yeah. Uh, I think, but the other factor here, and then we'll shut up, is the Twins have one year left on their deal. There are teams that have a twenty-year deal. Some teams have a twenty-year billion-dollar deal. I mean, they're making just incredible money. But it's meaningless because if there is no television as we know it five years from now or there is no <laughs> right. system in place right. to have regional sports networks on cable or direct TV as we've been discussing, what does it matter if you're you know, the Arizona Diamondbacks right. and you have a deal for 20 years and a billion dollars to distribute your games over you know, over-the-air television or cable television? If there is no such distribution right. method, that contract is just going right. to disappear yeah. or be yeah. litigated, obviously. Yep. And so that's, I think, where the Twins are. It's a oh, massive it's question going forward, but I think for this season, it's going to be relatively uninterrupted. Interestingly enough, I think in some ways, <laughs> it could return, uh, make the Twins a more competitive team in the future. Because I think a lot of these other teams are getting a, a much bigger television contract True. for the last you know several years. If it all goes to hell... Twins are going to be affected, but everybody's going to be affected. Yeah, and the, the twins, twins might be affected less than others. And if it ends True. up going, if it ends up going with a listen, Major League Baseball is providing this distribution service overall. Well, I mean that's similar to NFL football, well, right? That's, you're assuming that's Major League Baseball will take that well, approach. Yeah, as opposed to in other individual words, teams. Right? NFL yeah, slices point. that pie up thirty-two equal right. ways. Right. Exactly. If MLB does that, that would be great news for the Twins and terrible news <laughs> right. for the Dodgers exactly. and the Yankees. Right. But MLB generally has not sliced up pies 31. All right, we've got to go. I've got to run to a meeting. Uh, we've got a free episode again coming up next Friday. I think in the mid middle of this week, we're probably doing a Patreon mailbag yep, episode, definitely. right? And uh, we want to thank our sponsors, which are Soda Stick and 7th Avenue and Native Deodorant and BetterHelp. 
um, join the Patreon. P A T R E O N. Patreon.com. It's okay to get excited and join the Patreon. Go. Or even if you're mad, you can get mad and still listen. It's true, too. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Bye